Hi, I'm your host, John Rebeckian. In this episode, I'm joined by Ramon Ray, serial entrepreneur, author, and sought-after speaker and advisor. We'll discuss small business startups, personal branding, and the elements of a killer marketing pitch. Over his extensive career, Ramon has been a featured speaker at numerous conferences and shared the stage with business luminaries such as Damon John, Guy Kawasaki, and Simon Sinek. He's been an expert witness to Congress, testifying to the House Small Business Committee, and was invited to speak at the White House. His books, articles, and presentations have reached thousands of business owners and entrepreneurs to help their businesses thrive. Ramon is a New York Tech alum, and we're fortunate to have him with us today. Welcome to our podcast series. Hey, it's great to be here. Always a great day to talk to a smart person about smart stuff, so thanks for having me. Oh, we're, we're glad to have you. And to begin, to help our listeners out, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. You've started companies, you've sold companies. Give us a little bit of your background, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. One large stint of my life is working at the United Nations, and I started there right, not out of college, but right going into college, meaning you know when I was about uh, 20-something years old, give or take. I started school late. I took a year off to make some money, but um, I was one of the youngest staff members at the United Nations. So I was there for a number of years. So that's one data point or season in my life. Mm. And while there is where the entrepreneurial bug, as it were, bit me, you know, I really didn't know entrepreneurship and small business, all these things. Then I just knew that I liked technology and computers. And so at the UN, even I would repair computers of security officers of staff members, go to houses and fix computers, install modems, install software, get rid of viruses and things of that nature. So it was a good little period of time there. My first business was family computer consulting services. And then I dissolved that, you know, didn't make much of it. Then the other business, it wasn't really even a business then, but I started a blog called smallbiztechnology.com. In April 1999, I bought the domain. You can look it up and document it, right? The internet never lies right. in this case. <laughs> so I bought that domain and built that over the next 20 years. And in 2019, I sold that to another blogger or media company. And then the third company I started was the Small Business Summit. This was an event I did with my partner, Marion Banker. And we ran that event for many number of years. And then we sold that to a, another company called Blog World. And probably if you Google it, you'll see me on stage shaking hands with the CEO of Blog World. And the fourth business is Smart Hustle Media. So that's uh, Smart Hustle Media. I started that in 2015. I wanted to shift away from just being a technologist and small business person sure. and cover a broader world of entrepreneurship. And then I sold that in 2009. Uh, no, I sold that recently. SmartHustle.com was what I sold this year, 2022, depending on when you're listening to it. Congratulations. And then I recently launched. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, I appreciate that. And then I recently launched ZoneOfGenius.com to help small business owners live life fulfilled to, for their, their personhood beyond just their business. So hope that was helpful. Oh, it was very helpful. And, and you know, going back to that, and again, you know, getting that, getting bitten by the bug, so to speak, the, to become an entrepreneur sure. to open your own business. It sounds like you were fairly passionate about uh, technology and and helping others and and seeing how you could facilitate their growth. And when I looked at the track record that you had in terms of the types of businesses you were putting together, it almost looked to me like, wow, you know, here is Ramon. He's taking his what knowledge that he's gained. And then how is he, mm -hmm. how's he converting that into an ability then to help others? Because it's not just, because you were selling a lot of services and in reading through mm -hmm. a lot of the blog posts, it was really all about influencing, helping, and getting people to say, hey, I'm get ready to get started. Where do I go for help? Mm. That is correct. And I didn't, I don't know if I saw it quite then as helping people. I just really wanted a buck. Mm. <laughs> I'm fully honest, but yeah, yeah, that's all right. You know, and I think one of my first, thank you. And I think one of my first clients, it was a travel agent. 
And he was like, Ramon, I know you know technology. This is like when there was, you know, Ethernet. It wasn't Wi-Fi. wasn't popular. Stringing together three computers was like, ooh. So he's <laughs> like, I got three computers in my office. Can you help me have all three print to one printer? Things like that. Or how do I share my ISDN or dial-up modem line with another computer? That was, I don't remember the era, but, you know, you can help me with dates, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago, AOL, Prodigy, that era, whatever sure. time period that is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, to your point, that's how it started. Oh, Ramon. You know Microsoft Access, a popular database tool back in the day, right? Right. And I'm like, yeah, I can just read the thick, what, four million page manual, <laughs> come in at three and four in the morning, do some database work, be at the UN at 8.58 a.m. So yeah, that's how it started. Wow. And you converted that knowledge then into a business. I mean, here you are helping, yeah. you know, especially small businesses get started moving forward. Even today, I mean, small business owners are often challenged because technology changes so rapidly. Where do you see from a technology standpoint today, what's some of the bigger challenges that a small business owner has? I think the biggest challenge is possibly an ironic one. Hmm. And I think the ironic one is that since it is so easy to start a business, the biggest challenge now is how to grow it. Mm. And I think that one of the challenges of growing the business is getting attention. It's no longer just a fax machine, TV, a billboard, and yellow pages or flyers, mailing things. That's the age of many of our fathers and mothers and grandparents, as it were. But today, even if it's, it's online, there's a flurry of TikTok and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and OTT and, you know, meaning OTT off the, off the television, uh, HBO Plus on the small screen. So it's easier than ever to start a business. You go to LegalZoom.com, RocketLawyer.com, ZenBusiness.com, do, 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 your business is started any state you want. Pay a fee with your credit card, you're in business. But to grow it, to get customers, that's harder, I think, you know? Because the tools are there. Anybody now, it's not, you know, there's no, yeah, it's easy. You just go online to a website and connect all the tools you want. They're there for free or for cheap. Right, absolutely right. And But the big thing is, as you say, is, is getting attention. That leads me then into so that, that the idea of personal branding. Because I don't see there's mm-hmm. a disc, there's not a disconnect between your business brand and yourself. Especially a small sure. business owner. People want to know who you are. One of the statements I saw, your personal brand exists whether you like it or not. It's out there. So mm-hmm. anything you post becomes part of your brand. So either you manage it or it evolves on its own and you have no control over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. I think that in the case of even I don't like to use large businesses, but they're the ones that are most widely known. You have a case of Uber, for example, the Uber founder, I think it was, as I recall, you know, you could think that nobody cared, but after word got out that he was kind of a jerk and not good guy, it impacts the company. I mean, you'd think, right. is my ride in Miami going to be affected by a founder of Uber in California, him being a jerk? No, not at all. But yet it casts a light over the business. So think for a very small business. You're the baker, you're the, you're the shoemaker, you're the, the, the website designer. Yeah, that smile and warm handshake and, hey, John, how are you? Good morning. How can I serve you? He's not there. That's going to reflect, you know what? Mm, we'll get our bread somewhere else. Mm, we'll get our flour somewhere else. Mm, we'll get our website designed somewhere else. That's going to impact that for sure. Yeah, I watched one of your videos online. I always remember there was a statement about integrity, and integrity is about mm. doing the right thing when no one's watching. Then yes. you, And then you made a statement that with your personal brand, Someone is always watching, yeah. I think it was, yeah. So you have to constantly yeah. be on your game. You can't let your guards down. 
Yes, that's correct. You have to be. And I think that it's not so much even about the aspect of uh, because someone's watching per se, but yes, someone is. And you can use that as a leverage to your advantage. So don't run from it. Don't have it in fear. But since people are always watching me make my bread, make my coffee, sell my accounting services, sell my legal services, whatever services I'm doing, let me own that. And now let me be the one that's providing as much information as I can to the marketplace because if I'm educating the market most, if I'm making the most noise, if I'm the most value when they're ready for, you know, rodent eradication service, when they're ready to lease a vehicle, they're going to choose me. That's right. the name of the game. Right. And that comes down to the power of, and I think of it in terms of almost like networking online. And the power yeah. of networking is not necessarily selling, but providing value in a relationship, providing value to that next yeah. person. And I think that's somewhat, I guess, what you're describing, right? Absolutely. No, you're right. It's powerful. I mean, before we had to network only at in-person events, Chamber of Commerce events. And I love my Chamber of Commerce on the, on the board of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce, for that mm -hmm. matter. But I think that, yes, I think that if you're prepared and ready to be a little different and be kind and add value... Absolutely. You can soar and you can do some amazing things for sure. Yeah. It's become a little bit of a negative because a lot of people perceive that personal branding, they, they think of, oh, I don't know, celebrity brands, right? And, and mm -hmm. well, how mm -hmm. real are they? And they're made up and they're contrived. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that, uh, look, I want people to know who I am. So there's nothing wrong with coming out and having a personal brand, something that you work at. Yes, you're correct. And I think that that personal branding, I think that once we as small business owners, once we hone that, once we enhance that, I think once we learn that we have it, whether we like it or not, I think that's where things start to get good because that's when you get unsolicited phone calls. Hey, I heard that you're a great web designer. Hey, I heard you're a great carpet cleaning service. Hey, I heard you're this. Word begins to spread because it's more than the product or service. And many people think that uh, the reason customers are disgruntled is because they didn't like the price, things like that. Rarely, rarely, if you're targeting the right customer base, is it about the price? It's, as Maya Angelou says, how did you make them feel? How did you make them feel? That's what's most important. Right. You know, and, and this is a significant aspect in marketing today where we want to make sure that people know what our values are. So when I have mm -hmm. a business, it's about developing that relationship. Now, I was, I was in the printing and packaging business for nearly 35 years mm -hmm. before we sold our company. Congratulations, and you're branding I too then. <laughs> Thank you, yes. And, you know, it was all B2B, but we would describe our business as a very intimate relationship because a product without packaging is a lump on the shelf. No one really knows what it does or sure. what it is. And so I would always describe my customers as my friends. I would treat them with respect, with honesty and integrity, mm -hmm. and, and we live by the values we as an organization. And I see right. more and more small businesses today describing what their values are and having their value proposition out there for everyone to see. Do you still believe that's yeah. very important in terms of developing your brand? I, I, yeah. I don't think it's a must, but I do think it's important. And here's why I say that. Mm. You have a company, two direct opposing values. And I think sometimes, sadly, a value gets politicized. But I'm going to go there. A company like Black Rifle Coffee. Mm -hmm. Just saying that name is antithesis to some. But as far as my opinion, I hope the listeners here don't get start flaming you and canceling you for it. <laughs> but they're a great company. They like weapons. They like rifles. And much of it, they're referring to their military veteran backgrounds. These are guys, many special forces. They're weapons people. This is what they do for a living. So that's one, as you're saying, our values, we're all about military, patriotism, and having a gun, having a rifle. 
they have a company like Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's, right, gets down and dirty into right. politics. They're about every black lives, every segment of society. <laughs> you know, right. Ben and Jerry's waves the flag behind it. Two different companies. So to your point, yes. And I think that those companies that don't want to necessarily step, I shouldn't call it politics, but for sake of this conversation, into the politics of it, there's other values you could do. Like Amazon, we stand for speed and great customer service. Maybe it's a car rental company. We will make sure your car is pristine every time you use it. That's a value as well. So values you don't have to always say, we're marching for this cause or that cause or no this or no that or save the whales. Doesn't have to be that way. And or you can choose a cause. Now, you don't want to do it just flippantly and just to get headlines. But as we're moving into this, maybe your company has a meeting and says, what's something we can get behind and make the world a better place about? Yeah, but you know, that, that comes down to, and again, by the way, the two companies, sort of the antithesis, right? Black Rifle Coffee and Ben and & Jerry's. Mm-hmm. But they took an honest approach about who they were. And, right. and they put it out there. And guess what? Mm-hmm. It works for them. And a lot, of, right. a lot of companies today, they, they look at, uh, we want to be green. And unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of companies uh, v- violate that cause and they, they do what they call greenwashing. Sure. But by being mm-hmm. taking an honest approach, and I, and I think, look, cons- consumers are, are more savvy than ever. And they want to use their pocketbook and their purchasing power as an expression of their values. So they want to align right. themselves with organizations that they feel good about. Correct. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that uh, more and more is happening. And I think that, yes. And I think knowing also your demographic, knowing who your customer base is, I think that's important as well because you may have some demographics where their politics, what they align with their causes may be X and another one could be Y and some may not matter. You know what I mean? But I think that knowing the demographic, especially where you were, I think it's important. I live in the New York area, mm-hmm. and there's a, it's a, it's a lot of companies and a lot of segments of society people care about that. California, uh, mid- Midwest, right? You see uh, patriotism and kind of things are important. Some places – and maybe some industries may not care as much, but I think, yes, being able to showcase your values and what you stand for. My values, we talk about our values are do the right thing and have fun. It may not be as cool as a Ben and Jerry's or Black Rifle Coffee, but my clients know it. They know if, if they want remote at an event, they're calling me for one reason, because do the right thing, yes, but they know it's going to be a lot of fun. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, it, it brings about a question that and a lot of my uh, listeners ask about, just because we have many budding entrepreneurs that listen in. Sure. And they all ask about the pitch. How do they make the mm. pitch? To, and we've talked a little bit about personal branding, about marketing and selling within your organization and outside your organization. But what is it about the pitch that you find that a lot of young entrepreneurs get wrong? And what do you think some of the things that they could learn in terms of what you've heard that that people do right? Sure. We haven't talked about this in advance. And I'll show you the template people can use for Uh, what I think of is a good pitch. Okay. So let me just think for a second. Let's say the pitch is very healthy ice cream. Let's take that. Okay. All right. So here's the pitch kind of pitch I would use. Something like this. Hey, do you have a child that can't eat cool dessert during the summer from allergies? Do you know what that's like? He's watching his friends every summer enjoy that delicious sweet that he can't or she can't. My name is Ramon. We're from No Allergy Ice Cream. And guess what? Your child, no matter what their allergy or health condition, they can eat our ice cream during the hot summer months and have a great, great, delightful time. My name is Ramon Ray from, what did I just say? No Allergy Ice Cream. No Allergy Ice Cream. (laughs) We can help you. That was a silly example, but what I tried to do is, and again, you can do this different ways, but a pitch, I think, 
paint the story so the listener gets an idea. Oh, you know, like this. Don't try to be fancy. Do you ever want QB, XQZ? What the heck is that? No, just talk normal. So state the scenario so those you're talking to can go, oh, like that. And then pull up the heartstring a bit and then say, if you're like this, this is the solution for you. That's kind of how you do that. Cars work the same way, right? Hey, are you tired of those expensive, expensive cars at the airport, but want a car that's reliable, clean, but really cheap? Then go to you know this kind of car company. Another type of the pitch could be, do you want to sit back in that car in the ultimate, ultimate luxury? And in fact, have it meet you at the tarmac the moment the airplane lands and the FAA won't give you a million dollar fine for it? <laughs> you want fancy car, tarmac.com. So, Silly example. But, well, well, two but, different but, scenarios, but, same car. But the elements are the same. You introduce yeah. yourself, the product name, the problem you're looking to solve, and what the solution That's is that right. you have. So it all comes together in a series of, in terms of the content of the pitch. But again, it's always important to emphasize this, the problem and what's the solution that you've yeah. got for that problem. Absolutely. A lot of what we've spoken about in our fall season now has been about innovation. And innovators are always the ones that seem to ferret out that problem out there mm-hmm. that they become passionate about solving. And they come up with a novel idea that they bring then to develop a solution, whether it's a new product or a service. And they go out and, and the pitch is not only then for the public, but also they have to raise money, right? And that's always sometimes right. the, the most difficult pitch is to go and convince somebody to write a check. That's right, absolutely. And I think you'll find also that going back to the problem you're solving, some problems, you don't even, nobody wanted Uber until Uber came. Now, I had the frustration. I can remember calling my local taxi company. And again, if you're listening to this, your taxi company, God bless you. You have a tough job ahead. But this is the fact that would have calling my local taxi company, being put on hold as I got through digit eight of the credit card number. And just, oh, 14, not 18. Sorry, wrong. Oh, my God. What a zoo. Uber right. made it all easier. We didn't ask for Uber, but Uber brought it. And on the other hand, I have a friend of mine that has a oil compression filtering type company. Most people never heard of it. But he has a tidy little business flying all over the world, especially to the Middle East, with his oil pump compression thing. My point being, everybody's not going to have the billion-dollar mass market, but there's always somebody who has a, a need for the problem that you can solve. And you're just spot on with that. You're really spot on. A couple of more questions for you. Ramon, what is the advice that you have for budding entrepreneurs? What's some of the, the basic things that you say, if you're an entrepreneur, here's some of the things that you need to do? Sure. I think besides things that you can read in the book about customers, and we talked about niching and things, one person told me this, the name escapes me, but it'll come back in a minute, hopefully. He said, one big challenge is that businesses just have less runway, meaning that's the differentiation. Person A has a mattress company, and they have five years worth of capital or worth of less mistakes to make or whatever the luck may be, and company B has one year because COVID hit them, all their money was gone. What can I do? It's a matter of runway. And as you're on that runway, the less mistakes you make, the more frugal you are with your money, the faster you can sell, the faster you can understand what your customers, as Jim Collins talked about, his, the flywheel, the mm. faster you can have the flywheel, the better it will be. You'll be more successful. So that's what I would tell startups and entrepreneurs. Be a startup, but do think like a business. Unless you're intentionally trying to build a billion-dollar company with massive valuation that's intentionally going to lose money, that's a whole other game. But for most of them, Try to really quickly get to selling stuff. Once you sell stuff, it solves a lot of problems. Oh, excellent advice. Ramon, what is the one word that describes who you are? People say I'm high energy, 
and unapologetically positive. So I've embraced that high energy before. I would reject it. I didn't like it because I wanted to be the smart guy. I wanted to be the Simon Sinek, my friend Phil Jones, exactly what to say. My friend Seth Godin wanted to be like them. You know, like, why can't I get smart accolades? But I've realized that's my gift. That's my gift. High energy. I move fast. There's people needed like that in the world. And so I've embraced it. High energy and unapologetically positive. That's brilliant. Rowan, thank you so much. And we really appreciate you being with us here today. Oh, thank you for having me. You do such a great interview. You have a lovely voice. And uh, thanks for having me. And I hope this impacts somebody's life. Thank you. During our interview, we discussed how, for entrepreneurs, it's never been easier to start a business. But the challenge is how to grow your business. With the proliferation of competition comes the challenge of gaining attention and translating that into revenues. Ramon discussed the importance of personal branding for small businesses. You need to manage your personal brand or it evolves on its own based on what others have to say about you. We live in a world in which it seems someone is always watching, so take control over how the world sees you. Remember, the power and risk of using social media is anything you post becomes part of your brand. Ramon recalled the Maya Angelou quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So ask yourself, did the customer feel good about their decision to use your product or service? Did you leave them with a positive impression of you? Remember, feelings and emotions are factors in any decision. How you make someone feel about your brand helps determine whether they will do business with you or not. Additionally, as Ramon points out, educate and inform the marketplace. Get recognized and provide value such that you reach the tipping point that name recognition results in calls to do business with you. As he said, that's the name of the game. When it comes to defining your values, Ramon talked about knowing your demographics. How is my target demographic going to relate to who I am, what causes I believe in, and the values I live by? We discussed developing a pitch and Ramon laid out the critical elements. Introduce yourself and your product emphasizing the problem you're looking to solve and the solution you've created to solve that problem. An important insight Ramon offers to those running a startup. It's a matter of runway. Runway translates into the number of months until the cash runs out. As he said, the fewer mistakes you make, the more frugal you are, the faster you can sell, and the faster you can understand what your customers need, all can improve your chances for success. And the phrase Ramon uses to describe himself is high energy and unapologetically positive. Entrepreneurs are inherently positive and optimistic, and you'll need high energy to withstand the travails of starting and growing your business. Thanks to Ramon Ray for participating in our podcast and sharing his valuable insights. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. The Interim Dean of the School of Management and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohn. Our marketing and social media strategist is Petra Shantaraga. And our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. Until next time. <laughs>